to Natural MD Radio, your place to hear the whole truth on health and medicine for women and children and get the tools you need to take back your health naturally starting now. I'm Dr. Aviva Ram. Dear Dr. Aviva, given that I'm 56 and have Hashimoto's, am I at higher risk for getting COVID-19? Should those of us with autoimmune conditions consider that to be an underlying condition that puts us at higher risk of having a more severe reaction if infected with this coronavirus? Thank you so much for your help and balanced information in this time. Sincerely, JM. Many of you with autoimmune diseases have written to me with worries about an increasing risk of contracting SARS-CoV-2 or developing severe COVID-19. I know it's scary to hear about immunosuppression, high risk, and COVID-19 in one breath and wonder if that applies to you. In today's podcast, episode 126 of Natural MD Radio, I address the overall risks of COVID-19 with various autoimmune conditions, as well as the risk for those of you on specific immunosuppressive medications. This information is not meant to replace your doctor's advice and should merely serve as a starting point for a conversation with your healthcare provider and to raise your personal health awareness and answer some questions. I hope it also provides you with a sense of support and reassurance. I'm Dr. Aviva Ram, and welcome to Natural MD Radio. Immunosuppression is a general term that describes the lack of an appropriate response by the body to fighting diseases and organisms that may be harmful, like viruses and certain bacteria. Having a weakened immune system can occur for many reasons, including certain medications, recent surgeries, age, genetics, or having a chronic illness. But not all individuals with autoimmune disease are immunosuppressed. In fact, some autoimmune diseases are due to an overactive immune system, and not all autoimmune disease medications suppress your immune system. However, even those that do may still be essential for you at this time. Okay, I'm not going to sugarcoat this. That's why you trust me. I always say it like it is. People with some autoimmune conditions, though not all, are probably at higher risk of contracting the virus and may be at more serious risk of severe infection. This can be because of the specific autoimmune condition itself and how it suppresses the immune system or the medications that you take to treat the condition or a combination of the two. But because this virus is so new, there's basically no formal research to go on, and medical experts are recommending that most people with autoimmune conditions, just to be safe, consider themselves at high risk and follow the extra precautions that the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention recommends for high-risk individuals. And right now, that largely does include, to the extent that you can, sheltering in place. But not all autoimmune conditions carry the same risk, and some may not increase your risk appreciably at all. For example, while rheumatoid arthritis and lupus probably increase autoimmune disease risk, and type 1 diabetes and type 2 diabetes almost certainly do increase disease risk, although type 2 is not actually an autoimmune condition, Hashimoto's and other forms of hypothyroidism likely do not increase risk at all. The most important thing is to be aware of atypical symptoms. 
In most people, COVID-19 is an uncomplicated respiratory infection with symptoms not dissimilar to a cold or flu. But in immunocompromised individuals, there may be an atypical presentation of symptoms. It means you don't see the usual things that you expect. For example, people with uncomplicated upper respiratory viral infections may not have fever. They may have a cough and sore throat, but without the fever. They may have aches and pains, but without the typical cough and sore throat. It's really unclear exactly what symptoms may happen that might be different in those who are particularly immunocompromised. Additionally, people who are immunocompromised may have none of the typical symptoms, but simply show up with dehydration, shortness of breath, or may quickly develop more advanced severe respiratory symptoms, including acute respiratory distress syndrome, and may go into sepsis, which is severe systemic infection. Now, that's not likely to happen to most people with autoimmune disease. But if you are immunocompromised, for example, on some of the immunosuppressive medications I'm going to talk about, that could be, it could put you at higher risk. Additionally, if you have an autoimmune disease, particularly one of the ones that make you higher risk, which I'm going to talk about and also give you a table for over at avivaram.com, you can go to my homepage and right under the banner with the big picture of me, you'll see a place where you can link over to more articles about COVID-19. You'll find an entire page of articles that I've been writing and updating to keep you up to date. In that, on that page, you'll find an article called COVID-19 and Autoimmune Disease Risk. It depends on the condition. And in that article, which accompanies this podcast, you'll find all the information I'm talking to talking to you about today, already written down for you, and a table and all the specific indications for different autoimmune conditions that I cover, all there for you. So you can quickly reference and re-reference if you want to, or tag that and you know save it in a tab for yourself as a bookmark to go back to. But even though I've just mentioned some scary risks, those risks are more likely if you're already high risk. So if you're 65 or over, if you have an underlying medical condition like diabetes, heart, or respiratory disease, in addition to autoimmune disease, some pregnant women with autoimmune disease may be more at risk, while most pregnant women currently for from the grace of the universe, actually seem to be at low risk. And I have another article and podcast talking about that over at that page. And children and adults with weakened immune systems as a result of conditions like HIV AIDS or medications that use or treatment with steroids or chemotherapy. So those all increase your risk if you already have an autoimmune disease. And of course, if you don't, those increase everybody's risks. So which autoimmune conditions have specific recommendations and specific concerns. Let's start with Hashimoto's because we're going to start with the good news, basically. Based on the information we have from China, there is currently no reason to believe that people with thyroid problems or autoimmune thyroid problems appear at greater risk for thyroid disease. So, uh, uh, sorry, at, uh, appear for greater risk of developing COVID-19 unless you already fall into a high-risk category, and that has nothing to do with the Hashimoto's. That has to do with the high-risk category. Interestingly, SARS, which is a related coronavirus that caused an epidemic starting in 2002, 
and had much more severe consequences than COVID-19 has been shown to have, although it spread less quickly, was responsible for thyroid damage. So it wasn't worse for people with thyroid disease, but it was thought to cause thyroid damage. We're not seeing that so far with COVID-19, but I don't think anyone is actually specifically looking at that as a parameter. So if you have Hashimoto's or any other thyroid problem, particularly an autoimmune thyroid problem, and you experience COVID-19 infection, it's important to monitor your symptoms for any change. And if you do notice changes, if your symptoms are flaring and they've been stable for a long time, you feel a little bit more symptomatic, ask your healthcare provider to order a basic thyroid lab panel. Because if you had thyroid disease and then if this is able to also cause some thyroid damage, you may have an exacerbation. But at this time, there's no reason to suspect that COVID-19 does cause thyroid damage. Rheumatoid arthritis and inflammatory arthritis are other common, uh, well, rheumatoid is a, is a very common autoimmune condition and many individuals have inflammatory arthritis. According to the Arthritis Foundation, quoting Kevin Winthrop, who's a specialist in infectious disease epidemiology, a medical doctor at Oregon Health uh, Services University in Portland, based on what we know at this time, said it's unclear whether individuals with rheumatoid arthritis, the autoimmune form, or inflammatory arthritis with high disease activity have an increased risk of COVID as a result of immune dysregulation. The greater concern seems to be not from COVID-19 itself, but from secondary bacterial infections that might arise if somebody has a COVID-19 infection. So for example, it doesn't mean that you're more susceptible to getting COVID-19 if you have rheumatoid or inflammatory arthritis. But if you do get COVID-19, then you have a slightly greater risk of developing pneumonia or another respiratory type of bacterial infection. So if you have COVID-19 and you're in the duration of, you know, where you should be in the recovery phase, but you're not recovering or you're or getting worse, that's an indication regardless to contact your medical provider or emergency medical services and get help. To date, however, neither form of arthritis has been flagged as a high-risk condition, raising risk of COVID-19 infection or severity. So what about inflammatory bowel disease? IBD includes Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis. Both are due to an overactive, not underactive immune system, and therefore are often treated with immune modification or immune suppression. IBD patients on immunosuppressive medications are in general more susceptible to infection, specifically being on steroids or immunomodulators like azathioprine or 6-mercaptopurine or methotrexate can increase an, IBD's, an IBD patient's risk for viral infections in general. To date, we don't have any specific IBD research on COVID-19, but some individuals with these conditions may have an increased risk. This likely depends on the extent or severity of your disease, how active it is currently, and whether and which immunosuppressive medications you're taking. Due diligence to prevent exposure and infection is incredibly important, and be aware of the possibility, as I've already mentioned, of the atypical symptoms and greater disease severity. Don't hesitate to get help if you're having more concerning symptoms. If you are on immunosuppressive medications, talk with your healthcare provider about any increased risks and guidance she or he may have for you at the time. 
the Crohn's Colitis Foundation recommends staying on your IBD medications as inflammation due to IBD can lead to complications and damage your intestinal tract. And for additional information about medications, I'll talk about that in just a little bit in this um, podcast. What about celiac disease? The Celiac Disease Foundation Medical Advisory Board member, Dr. Alessio Fasano, who's also the director of Mass General's Hospital Center for Celiac Research and Treatment, stated that people with celiac disease are not considered immunocompromised, but may be more susceptible to COVID-19 if they have active celiac disease. So if you have active, current, significant inflammation, you're not well-controlled, you're very, very symptomatic, then that might, might, that's the operative word, raise your risk. But at this time, we don't know that to be true. According to Fasano, if celiac disease is well-treated, then your susceptibility is considered to be the same as everyone else in the general population. People with lupus are at higher risk for a number of types of infections, including colds, flu, and other viruses, and COVID-19 is likely no exception. If you have lupus, I would absolutely touch base with your healthcare provider by phone, email, or medical portal if you have one about any special precautions or symptoms you should be aware of right now. And I would approach your environment, of course, not with panic, but as if you are high risk, observing a greater deal of diligence about all the steps you should be doing to protect yourself from uh, exposure. And you should plan ahead according to all the CDC guidelines and do your best to shelter in place. And also, of course, be aware of the possibility of asymptomatic or atypical infection and more severe symptoms and the need for medical care should you experience a higher level of severity. Type 1 diabetes, as well as type 2 diabetes, amongst many other chronic medical conditions, do put individuals at higher risk for infection and more serious complications. Type 1 diabetes is the autoimmune condition and the, one of the biggest concerns that I have for type 1 diabetics right now is not so much the increased risk, that is also really important to be aware of and definitely elevated, but the risk of running out of insulin if you're insulin dependent, whether you're type 1 or type 2 or have gestational diabetes. So I feel like it's really important right now to talk with your healthcare provider about any specific precautions you might need to take and have a 60 to 90 day supply of your medications on home, on hand at home, should you otherwise be unable to attain them for like, you know, example, if there's a quarantine or shortages and have somebody who is connected to you by quick access, whether through a lifeline button that you can call or whether it's an actual family member or friend or neighbor who can check on you periodically to make sure that you've gotten your insulin doses and that you're safe. Hyperglycemia in general does increase risk of infection because it impairs the immune system. So for all of you, if you have type 1, type 2, gestational diabetes, it's really important to stay in healthy blood sugar control right now. So let's talk about multiple sclerosis. As with lupus, likely given the magnitude of immune dysregulation in in MS, and also the likelihood of being on immunosuppressive medications or steroids, this is probably a condition like lupus with more significant increased risk of susceptibility to and severity of illness from COVID-19 infection. 
Again, this isn't a cause for panic, just a reminder to check in with your healthcare provider by phone, email, or medical portal to discuss any specific considerations for your situation and practice a higher level of vigilance to prevent exposure, ideally sheltering in place if you have a more suscept- greater susceptibility. You should also plan according to the CDC guidelines if you need to stay at home in a self-quarantine uh, if you do get sick and be more attentive to the possibility of more severe symptoms and the need for medical care if you experience higher symptom severity. Don't hesitate. The National MS Society's National Medical Advisory Committee recommends the following. One, people with MS should follow CDC guidelines and these additional recommendations for people at risk for serious illness from COVID-19. Two, people with MS should continue disease-modifying therapies, DMTs, and discuss specific risks with their MS healthcare provider before stopping any DMT. Don't stop that on your own. And before starting a cell-depleting DMT or a DMT that carries warnings of potentially severe increase in disability after stopping, people with MS and their MS healthcare providers should consider specific risks like your age, other risk factors that you might have, like other health conditions, and your location. So in other words, for some people, staying on those medications may be preferable than the risks of coming off of them. And regardless, no matter what you do, if you are on one of these medications, do not stop without conferring with your healthcare provider and getting guidance. So speaking of medications, do immunosuppressive medications increase your risk of COVID-19? Several of you have specifically asked if you're at risk because you take medications to increase to suppress your immune system. The biggest concern is that a suppressed immune system could increase susceptibility, allowing for more rampant viral replication or lead to more serious infections and symptoms. At this point, unfortunately, the answer still is we just don't know. Limited data does suggest that many of the drugs commonly used to treat autoimmune diseases and some forms of inflammatory arthritis like Remicade, Enbrel, and Simsia, as well as the JAK inhibitors, and corticosteroids, including prednisone, may increase risk of developing more severe viral infections in general. So here's an overview of autoimmune disease medication risks, but again, please do not discontinue any medications without conferring with your healthcare provider first. The consequences could far outweigh your risk of COVID-19. These following drugs are not considered immunosuppressives and are not thought to increase disease risk at this time. So mesalamine, which is the Azacol, Apriso, Canasta, Delzacol, Lialda, uh, Pentasa, Rawaska, or any of the other aminosalicylates. Those are not considered to be immunosuppressive and not thought to be a problem. Immune suppressing medications include prednisone and prednisolone. So if you're taking those for any reason, be sure to follow those CDC extra precautions and talk with your healthcare provider because steroids can suppress your immune system. So discuss with your healthcare provider whether it's possible to lower your dose or to get off of steroids and use a different medication. Immunomodulators like thiopurines, which are like azathioprine, 6-mecaptopurine, cyclosporine, and methotrexate, and the JAX inhibitors can inhibit immune response to viral infections and make it harder for your body to uh, fight them off. Biologics and biosimilars, for example, Simsia, Humira, Remicade, Symponi, uh, Renflexis, 
Inflectra, and others uh, are immunosuppressing drugs. So it's really important to stay and shelter if you're on those drugs, to shelter in place um, and absolutely have a conversation with your physician. Now, one recent study found that in people with heart disease, Plaquenil did not increase infection risk, but methotrexate did. So talk with your doctor. Um, I treat patients with autoimmune disease. I'm trained in um, rheumatology as part of my internal and family medicine training. But this information doesn't replace having the conversation about your personal risks, the medications you're on. And because you're seeing a rheumatologist, their entire focus of all their professional work is staying on top of this specific literature while I treat patients for all kinds of conditions. So it's not um, my area of focus. So, you know, go to them, ask them what they're reading about researching. They'll have the latest on that as well. And, if, and you can also share this article with them as well. None of these medications, keep in mind, has been studied yet in relation to COVID-19. But at this point, it really does seem prudent. If you have an autoimmune disease, if you're on an immunosuppressive, just be smart. Don't panic, but be smart. And really for me, you know, what I'd recommend is for all of us that can shelter in place right now, it's so important anyway, because even if you don't go sick, if you're you're out there about in the world, you're still at risk for passing it on to other people. If you have a, an atypical presentation, your immune system might not respond with the typical cold symptoms. So you might think that you're fine and still be spreading the virus. So just be thoughtful, be careful, take care of yourselves. I hope this has been helpful information. If you have a family member or someone you love, uh, if you're a practitioner, feel free to absolutely share the link to this podcast and also the blog that accompanies it with all this information written out for you. Again, you can get that at avivaram.com in the area below the banner. You'll see a place to click and there'll be a whole page of resources for you. Stay well, stay smart, and I will see you next week on the next episode of Natural MD Radio. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Natural MD Radio. If you did, please go to avivaram.com and join the conversation about the show on my blog. And while you're there, be sure to sign up for my newsletter. It's free and it's jam-packed with powerful tips to help you take back your health naturally. That's avivaram.com. Take care and see you next time.